Okay, good afternoon. This is Richard Shu, host of Shu Untied. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me as my guest, Michelle Lee, who's the first woman, former Undersecretary of Commerce for Intellectual Property and Director of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Michelle, welcome to the program. Thanks, Richard. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Michelle, let me ask you to start with, how did you even decide to go into the legal career? I understand you were an engineer. How did you even decide to become a lawyer to begin with? Well, I never, ever thought I would be a lawyer. Uh, (laughs) I was born and raised in the Silicon Valley, Uh and my father is an electrical engineer by training. Uh And I grew up with, uh, on a street where all the dads on the street that I grew up on were engineers. Uh-huh. And back then it was just dads. <laughs> uh, so I grew up uh, at a time where uh, the dads would invent something, file for a patent, get venture capital funding, start a company. And sometimes those companies succeeded, sometimes they didn't. But a few that did really revolutionized the world and the way in which we lived. So that was an incredible lesson. Hmm. And I thought, ah, that's what I want to do. I want to be part of uh, making, building, creating. And so I went 3,000 miles sight unseen to MIT Mm -hmm. to study engineering. And when I went to MIT, like I said, I never, ever thought I would go to law school. Uh Uh, And I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. But at the time that I was working on my graduate thesis at MIT, Uh at the MIT Artificial Intelligence Lab, I don't know if you remember this, Richard, but the Apple versus Microsoft case was going on Uh in the courts. Uh And that captured my imagination. Here was a case where new legal questions were posed by innovations. And there were no answers in uh, the statutes or the law about the extent to which and if a graphical user interface, Mm -hmm. you'll remember the scroll bars, the trash can, the icons, is that protectable and to what extent by, of all things, copyright? And so instead of getting my PhD in computer science, which I was on my way to do, um, I instead went to the law school at Stanford. And um, I've always dealt with very cutting-edge legal issues for which oftentimes there were no answers on point in the case law. And that has always been fun, exciting, and interesting. Now, how did you like law school when you first got in there after having studied engineering? Was it, what did you think? Well, it was completely different from my MIT experience. I'll bet. Uh, for one, uh, the ratios were much more balanced, even at 40-60. <laughs> so I thought, this is incredibly balanced compared to MIT. Talk about men to women. Um, and I loved MIT. It was a yes. wonderful experience. Yes, yes. Men and women. Yes, That's yes, right, the yes. ratio of men to women. Uh, and also, I felt as if that was the liberal arts education that I never quite got at MIT uh-huh. uh, to, to think about uh, jurisprudence and uh, legal philosophies and constitutional law. So mm-hmm. I really, I enjoyed engineering, mm-hmm. uh, but I also enjoyed law school. Hmm. Did you find that you actually missed some of the engineering or, or not? There was a lot of reading in law school. <laughs> and uh, in, in engineering, you have a small number of pages that you have to read very carefully, every yes. symbol, every minus sign. But in law school, you have large volumes of information, and certain parts you read more carefully than others, but there's a lot of reading to do. Right. But suffice to say, you enjoyed it. I did. Yeah. I enjoyed the dialogue with my classmates, uh-huh. debating the issues, uh-huh. dealing with the constitutional law issues, uh-huh. even the civil procedure issues. I, I thoroughly enjoyed civil oh, procedure. So now, did you know? Did you then knew that you were going to go into intellectual property law because of your experience, or was that something you kind of decided later after you got out of law school? Well, I had a 
inkling that that might be an area that I might want to pursue given mm -hmm. my background. Uh -huh. And of course, I tested it out. And at Stanford, uh, I took the Intro to Intellectual Property uh, class uh, with Professor Paul Goldstein, mm -hmm. and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so I ended up uh, heading in that direction. Mm -hmm. Now, what did you think about practice, actually practicing law? You know, now you've been an engineer, you've gone to law school. What did you think about the actual practice part of it? Is that all something you really liked, or did you have some second thoughts after you start practicing? Well, the practice of law is even better because, in some sense, as a lawyer, you're hired to solve the problems of your clients. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was very fortunate. Uh, I got to work with companies and clients who were incredibly innovative mm -hmm. in a wide range of areas, not just in the software space, but in, a, in optics. I mean, they walk in the door. It's your job to learn about their business, uh, their legal issue, and oftentimes their technology, given the practice that I have, and they pay you to do it. Mm -hmm. And so for a person who is incredibly interested in innovation and who is a problem solver and who likes to help people, it was very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And that was um, clients of all sizes. Mm -hmm. The individual inventor who walks in the door with an idea in his or her head and needs to get some funding and um, <clears throat> file a patent to the Fortune 100 tech companies and really everybody in between. Mm -hmm. Now tell me how you got the opportunity to end up going to Google, because I'm sure that's an interesting story. Well, I... Like I didn't ever think that I would be in law school, I uh -huh. thought I would stay as a partner at my law firm at Fenwick and West, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh -huh. uh, and um, at the time, it was the time of the dot-com bust. Mm -hmm. And I was a pretty new partner, enjoying my practice, enjoying my partners, and building my own book of business. Uh, and I was asked to join a company called Google. And I... Which you didn't know a whole lot about at that well, time? Well, I used the search engine. Uh-huh. And I liked the search engine. Right. It seemed to return better results than the, the competition. And you have to think back, Richard, at the time, there was <laughs> Ask Jeeves, yeah, yeah. Excited Yahoo. Home, yeah, Alta right. Vista, yeah, 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 yeah. Yahoo. Right, right. Uh, I, th I can't remember if Microsoft had Bing, but, yeah, I, yeah. but all these other search engine companies. But I like the search engine. Mm -hmm. I like the people mm -hmm. at the company. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, you know what? I should just give it a try. I hmm. could always go back. Uh, and return to my partnership, and uh, you know, if it didn't work out, and I'd be richer for the experiences. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, at the time of the dot-com bust, I uh, went ahead and joined Google, and of course, I ended up staying there for quite a long time—eight and a half years. Right. One year became two years, became four years, <laughs> became eight years, and I like to say it was one job, but it was really many jobs. So, Michelle, then tell me how you got into the patent office, because that's yet a further step that you probably weren't thinking that you'd ever do. How did that happen? Yes. Yeah, so um, I've had a rather interesting, uh, diverse practice. I mean, I started as an engineer, then went to law, right. first in private practice, right. then in-house. And just as I never thought I would be a lawyer, I never ever in my wildest dreams imagined that I would be uh, in Washington, D.C. one day leading the United States Patent and Trademark I'll Office. Bet. Yeah, bet. Um, kid born and raised in the Silicon Valley, yeah. Washington, D.C. was on the other <laughs> side of the coast, and it's just not what I had on my mind. Yeah. However, uh, as you practice and as you become very good at what you do and you become expert and you deal with issues, um, people come to you and they ask your opinions. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
people would come to me and they would ask me my opinions about what we needed to do to ensure that our patent system continued to incentivize innovation. So I was increasingly going to Washington, D.C. to provide that input. Oh, even while you were at Google? Yeah, Google, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And Uh and, uh, participating in the conversation. And I guess they liked what they heard. Mm -hmm. And they appreciated the real-world practical business and technical background that I had Mm -hmm. to help inform the very important policy decisions that were being made in Mm -hmm. Washington at the time. And if Mm -hmm. you think back, Richard, that was at the time where, and uh, there were questions as to whether or not our patent system was fully incentivizing innovation. There was a lot of abusive patent litigation Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And what could be done to help uh, allow innovative companies to really bring mm-hmm. their ideas to the marketplace and mm-hmm. how could intellectual property encourage that. Mm-hmm. So I offered lots of thoughts and I guess eventually somebody thought, well, you've got so many ideas, Michelle, why don't you do something <laughs> about it? And um, I was given the opportunity, but not originally to lead the patent office. Uh-huh. If you'll recall, my first uh, role in public service, aside from my judicial clerkships, uh, was as head of the Silicon Valley Regional Office of the right. United States Patent right. and Trademark Office. And they came to me because it was the first time uh, that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office was opening up an office outside the D.C. area in our country's history. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, any private company that had its clients elsewhere would open up an office in that area to service uh, their customers. Right. Uh, so the Detroit office had been opened, but um, uh, with the passage of the American Vents Act, there was the authorization to open up these regional offices. So um, I got approached, and I was asked if I would lead that office. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's an opportunity to really make a difference in the community from which I come mm-hmm. and in which I grew mm-hmm. up. So was that so. a tough decision to, to join the, the Silicon Valley Patent Office, or you kind of, when you presented the opportunity, you thought, wow, this is something I'd really like to do? Well, it was a pretty easy decision because it did not involve a move. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the next decision was a little bit harder. Yeah, right. Which, um, uh, literally, I think about 11 months into the job as the Silicon Valley Regional Director, um, uh, I got tapped to become deputy director. And that was a more difficult decision because, of course, you don't do those jobs Mm -hmm. uh, remotely. You have to move. And so I thought about it and I thought, you know what? When you're asked to serve your country Uh and if you are at all all able to do so, I do feel that we all have a certain obligation Mm -hmm. to give back to this country Mm -hmm. and a society Mm -hmm. that has given us all so much in whatever way you're able to. And for me, I happen to have a lot of knowledge and expertise in intellectual property, technology, innovation. Mm -hmm. And so wanting to ensure the system that I grew up with and the benefits that I had for my daughter and subsequent generations, I decided, you know what, I'm going to say yes. Mm So, Michelle, of all the things you did as head of the USPTO, what would you say was the most rewarding that you did there? Wow. There were so many wonderful experiences. If I had to choose two, I would say they're the following. One is that uh, I had the opportunity to help create a Girl Scout patch for intellectual property. Oh, how interesting. And I was a Girl Scout. I was both a brownie and a junior. Uh-huh, and the cool. patches that I remember earning were on first aid and sewing. Uh-huh. 
And I just think that in this day and age where so much economic opportunity, uh, career opportunities are available to those who have a technical background, who are passionate about making, inventing, and creating, we need to get all of our youngsters, uh, boys and girls, across all demographics and across all geographic regions of our country, being excited about inventing, making, and creating, and really, ultimately, hopefully, starting companies that then revolutionize the world and create prosperity for their uh, home region. So uh, creating a Girl Scout IP patch um, uh, and leading that was one of my prouder moments because I had the opportunity to go to Southeast D.C. to Uh an elementary school with young girls, second grade to, I think, fifth grade, and they were so passionate. They learned a little bit about making, inventing, creating. They had their little designs. They sketched out the basics of a patent, and they earned their Girl Scout IP patch, and I had the opportunity to give them their Girl Scout IP patch. That's really cool. So that was number one. Number two is um, I served as the U.S. government representative overseas, oftentimes with foreign dignitaries on intellectual property issues, and I had the opportunity to travel to China Beijing to go to the central part of the Chinese government called Zhongnanhai. Uh-huh. And I had a conversation with the vice premier, who is the equivalent to the number two person in China, about intellectual property policy huh. and U.S. and China intellectual property policy. And I felt like Richard Nixon going <laughs> to 19- visit Mao Zedong in 1970, huh. um, having a very important conversation for mm. my country and for China. Mm. And it was a real privilege and honor mm. to, to mm. serve in that role. Mm. So now that you said, you know, you've done, you've done, you've had this incredible career where you were in private practice, you were a partner at a top Silicon Valley law firm, you were at Google, one of the largest companies in the world, you were the head of the U.S. Patent office. What does is, what is, what is Michelle Lee do now? You've done, all, you've, you've accomplished more than, any one of those things is more than what accomplished, but now, well, how do you use that background experience to yet further do things? Because I'm sure there are many more things you still want to do. Well, it's it's been a privilege, and I have to say, life is a journey. Uh-huh. And why not travel and take different paths? Because you have one life to live, and you may as well contribute as much as you can, given the sets of experiences and um, skills that you have in a way that is most impactful. So it's a privilege now. I have the honor of teaching at Stanford Law School. Mm -hmm. And as I shared with you, I'm teaching a class on disruptive technologies, particularly artificial intelligence and driverless cars. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I did my graduate work at the MIT AI lab. I'm not going to say how many years ago. (laughs) Uh, But the promise of the technology is real now. Uh And uh, I'm teaching on those technologies and how they butt up against existing laws and regulations designed for the present and not the future. Well, it sounds like you're really enjoying it. Do you have specific other things you want to still do or you're just taking your time and just sort of one year time and just sort of see what, what, what opportunities life presents to you? I'm enjoying my teaching at Stanford and I am always looking for ways to have uh, impact on the world to create the to uh, provide a better place and to leave the world in a better place than when I entered it. So I'm always looking for those opportunities, and um, it's been a privilege. Do you ever see yourself going back to any of the things you've already done, either private practice or being at a company or the government, or you think you, the, the, the chapters on those on those books have been closed? Oh, I'm always open to anything. <laughs> well, Michelle, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. If you do decide to do something else, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. You've got it, Richard. This is Richard Chu and Michelle Lee. Thanks. Thank you.